just want to welcome you to the second part of this uh, Bible study on Wednesday night. And my name is uh, Mike. I'm an elder here at the church and uh, a member of Standing in the Gap Ministry, which is a prayer, men's prayer ministry. Uh, I've served with, I've served God through Faith Builders Church for pushing 23 years. It's been a phenomenal and wonderful experience. And I just love our church. We have some outstanding uh, bishop, Pastor Gloria, Pastor Barb, Pastor Paul, and Pastor Matt. They're outstanding men and women of God. And it's just been a privilege to serve with them and to grow with them and to build on our faith with them. And um, we have to hear and be sensitive to hear what the Spirit is saying through them. It's important in these times. We can see through the news that these are perilous times. And what happens in the natural also happens in the spiritual. So just be aware. The name of this uh, Bible study is Invest into Eternity. And the reason I named that is it's an investment. It's a building. And uh, we, we're building on our faith. So I'm going to continue this second half with knowledge. We're going to add knowledge. 2 Peter 1.5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So that'd be like the third brick in the diagram that you see. Daniel 12.4 says, but you, O Daniel, shut up the word and seal the book until the time of the end. Then many shall run and to and fro and search anxiously through the book. And knowledge of God's purposes revealed by his prophets shall be increased and become great. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. You can see uh, in these scriptures that it's a building, it's a construction, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's important to see that. The gift given from God through Jesus Christ to you is for profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another one prophecy, to another one discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues and other 
to another interpretation of tongues, but one of the same Spirit works all things, distributing each one individually as he wills. That's a great scripture. Let's look at knowledge uh, in the King James Dictionary definition. Knowledge is a clear and certain per, uh, perception of what exists or of truth and fact and perception of the connection and agreement or disagreement and inconsistency of incompatibility of our ideas. We can have no knowledge of what does not exist. God has perfect knowledge of all his works. Human knowledge is extremely limited and is mostly gained by observation and experience. Let's go a little deeper. There are two kinds of knowledge. One is explicit knowledge, which can be expressed in words, numbers, and sharing in form of data, scientific formula, product specifications, manuals, universal principles, and so on. This kind of knowledge can be readily transmitted across individuals formally and systematically. This has been a dominant form of knowledge in the West. So when we think of knowledge, we first go right to a book. There's a second knowledge. However, there's also what they call the tacit knowledge, T-A-C-I-T knowledge which is something not easy, easily visible or expressible. Tacit knowledge is highly personal and hard to formulize, making it different, difficult to communicate or share with others. Subjective insights, intuitions, hunches fall into this category of knowledge. Furthermore, tacit knowledge is deeply rooted in an individual's actions and experiences as well as in the ideas, values, and emotions he or she embraces. Tacit knowledge is also important in reasoning. It consists of beliefs, perceptions, ideals, values, emotions, mental models, and that are so ingrained in us that we take them for granted. Though we cannot be uh, we cannot be articulated very easily. This cannot be articulated very easily. This dimension of tacit knowledge shapes the way we perceive the world around us. So we have two kinds of knowledge that we need to be aware of. Explicit knowledge, which, is this, which stated clearly in, in, in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. And then tacit knowledge, which is understood, implied without being stated, it's personal, and I also might say it's spiritual. So add to your faith virtue and virtue to knowledge. Knowledge is having no doubt or confusion and is understood and personal. So let's go to our next brick here. We're constructing this. We're building something. We're building on our faith. We're practicing. We're diligently seeking we're gaining knowledge. Now let's look at self-control. This is one that a lot of us um, might find difficult, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things. Second Peter 1, 5 through 6, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, virtue to knowledge, knowledge to knowledge, self-control. 
The word, the word temperance, which you find in some translations, literally, literally means self-control. We see that temperance has to do with self-control of the mind or the will. And all the words and actions are also kept under control, specifically control of the mind, the mouth, the body, and we must be held by God through his word. Self-control has an effect on all aspects of our lives as we learn to control our thoughts, words, and actions. J. H. Thayer, which is a, an American Bible scholar, says that temperance means the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. Self-control is very important. Galatians 5.23 gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Defines temperance as the dominion which one has over oneself or something, the dominion that one has over his thoughts, words, and actions. We all need self-control. It's a work. It's a building. Romans, and this is a good aspect from the Apostle Paul, 7, 14 through 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I carry it out. I carry it, I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not good. What I want to do is, is no the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do not want to do this, it is no longer what I, who I, I who do it, but it is the sin living in me. This is a tough scripture to read. So I find the law is at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I think we can all attest to that. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in the sinful nature, I am a slave to law of sin. This, we can go back to bond servant. We can choose. And that's what's really an awesome thing to have, is the ability to choose. But we have to take this serious. We have to invest into this. It is also frustrating to know that what is right is still not, we're still not able to manage or do it. 
So what is missing pieces between our knowledge and action? It'd be Jesus. Sin runs deep inside of us, but as Christians, we have the one who is in us that can give us strength to stand up and say no to temptation. We don't have the strength on our own to be able to choose what is right, especially when it doesn't feel good. Fortunately, we serve an incredible, good, ever-faithful God who works wonders in our weakness as we seek him, diligently seek him. It's very important. Proverbs says, and this is Proverbs 25, 27 through 28, it is not too good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to seek one's own honor. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So adding to our faith, <clears throat> virtue, knowledge, self-control. Self-control, which is the control of the mind, the mouth, the body, and must be held up by the word of God. Okay, and uh, our next brick will be <clears throat> looking at adding to self-control, perseverance or steadfastness. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 6, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance. James 1, 4 says, perseverance must finish its work. Now right there, you can see it's a work. We gotta work at it. It's not something that comes natural. Remember, the warfare is in our minds, so we have to work at perseverance. And then he says, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow, wouldn't it be nice if we could just go from A to B and just be mature? No, we have to work at it. Let's look at an observation here. James the Apostle begins his general, generalized letter to the body of believers with with the teaching that God requires us to endure with perseverance. The main purpose for doing so that we mature in Christ and gain everything we need to live in a sinful world. Perseverance teaches us about bringing about faith in God. Why? Because without faith, we would never be able to rely on God and endure troubles of this world. James goes on to say, and the verses before this, trying our faith produces perseverance in us. So our faith is going to be tried. It's going to be tested. And then we persevere, we grow stronger, we, we mature. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy. It doesn't say consider it joy. It says consider it pure joy. My brothers, when... Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I like that. Perseverance must finish its work. You're not going to go halfway in this. You've got to go all the way. You've got to persevere. So let's look at number one here. I want to define that. I want to go step back a minute. Perseverance is a steady and continued action or belief 
usually over a long period of time, and especially despite difficulties and setbacks. It's a testing. So number one, first, let's look again at the Bible definition of perseverance. The Bible says the testing of our faith. What is the testing of our faith? If not learning to rely on God in every situation, in everything we need which is the sense of perseverance, being tested of my faith where there is steady, continued belief in God, not just for current trial and tribulation, but over a sustained period of time. We can get through one situation with ease, difficulty, than another, but we know in our hearts that the devil increases the level of attack as we become more like God or mature. The longer we hold on to God's provision and endure tests of our faith, the more we become like our Heavenly Father and eventually lacking nothing. We lack nothing because all we have we get from God in whom we trust and have faith. The more we trust in God, the more we become like Him. The more testing we endure, the more we become like Him and are able to withstand future testings of our faith. Second, we need to build upon the fundamentals before trying to engage in more mature topics. If we don't, it'll usually end up in failing. So there again, we can see that we need to build. It's a step, it's a building, it's an adding to, it's a creating something. The more we endure, the testing of our faith, the stronger our faith in God becomes. The stronger our faith becomes, the easier it becomes to rely on God for our provisions. We need to grow up in God. For if we don't learn to trust God in the early parts of our testing of our faith, we will mostly, most likely not be able to endure greater testing of our faith later on in life. Pastor Barg gave us a story of a butterfly, and it was really a good analogy of, of testing um, and how this young man uh, found a cocoon, and he helped the butterfly break the cocoon, and, and the butterfly, long story short, never was able to fly. But if he had left the cocoon alone and let the bu butterfly struggle, it would have developed its strength in its, in its wings and would have been able to fly away. So let's look at this. Strength and growth come only through continuous effort and struggle. And that's a quote from Napoleon Hill, which is an American author on self-help. So add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. Perseverance is being tested of your faith where there is steady, continued belief in God, not just current trials and tribulations, but over a sustained period of time. Okay, moving on to the next one. Let's look at uh, godliness. Now, Second Peter 1, 5, and 6, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. Godliness is an attitude of seeking the Lord. It's also an attitude of pleasing 
the Lord. Let's look at Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, 11. But you, O man of God, flee from this and, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and, and approve God's will, his good and pleasing, perfect will. That's from the Apostle Paul. Godliness is an attitude in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. So we make our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Here's a good one, Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as a child of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, raise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Isn't that good? Let's look at godliness and love for God. It is not just avoiding sin in order to escape punishment. It is avoiding things which we know do not please God. Because we love him more than, than we love sin, the more we love our own way, God's, God's fullness of the first great commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is Mark quoting Deuteronomy. This is why godliness can only be the fruit of love for God, not outward obedience or legalism, but an inward seeking of God in love. So there we go to diligently seeking. Let's look at an example of godly living. What God, what does godliness look like in action? Consider 1 Timothy 3. Now the overseer must be above reproach, husband of of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not giving in drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. Let's look at Titus 1, 1 through 2. This is the Apostle Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. 
faith and knowledge, resting on the hope of eternal, which God, who does not lie, promises before the beginning of time. What are the qualities of a godly life? The spiritual fruit that comes from the pattern of yielding again and again to the Holy Spirit within us, which again, we have to know through knowledge what that is. Godliness comes from seeking to please God, from submitting as a way of life and gentle leading of the Holy Spirit as well as his occasional rebuke. And none of us like that, but we have to receive rebuke because he loves us. So we add to our faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, which is submitting as the way of life to gentle leading of the Holy Spirit as well to his occasional rebuke. So, Father, I pray for the, over this study that every word is of you, the Holy Spirit. If any word is amiss or is not of you, take it away from our hearts. Open the ears and the hearts of the ones that are meant to hear this study and build their faith in Jesus' name. Okay, if you don't know Jesus, pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask forgiveness. I believe you love me unconditionally and died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from sin. I ask you to come into my heart and life. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life because I love you with all my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Now make sure you tell somebody and activate your faith and come to Faith Builders Church and we will continue to help you build your faith in Jesus' name.